I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. We both woke up topside this morning? Yes, that we did. That we did. So what are we going to talk about today? Or what aren't we going to talk about? I think the list of what aren't we going to talk about may be a little bit smaller because there has been um, many, many things going on. I know many, many uh, things. I don't even like the word things, but we've just had so much going on here in the United States, around the world. It's so hard to cover, but we are going to do our best to cover as much as we can today. With the war going on in Ukraine, there's so much news about it. I didn't know where to start. It's hard to know where to start. Uh, Looking at some of what's been going on, we have claims of Russian disinformation, Ukrainian disinformation, disinformation from the United States and all over the world as just one particular sub area of what's going on, not to mention what we can see in in videos and news reports with our own eyes. There is just so much going on. Lynn, do you want to start talking about Ukraine? Let's start talking about Ukraine. So I guess um, our government was trying to tie nuclear talks with Iran along, packaged along with Russia, and our government's decided to put a hold on it today because Putin has thrown out more demands. And I don't know why we're negotiating with Iran to restart their nuclear program. Isn't that why we're in this pickle right now? We can't handle Russia ourselves. So let's add another nuclear group to the mix. Yeah, it kind of makes you go back to World War II, doesn't it? You know what, dropping our bombs was the right thing to do because it potentially saved actually millions of lives if we would have had to invade mainland Tokyo, mainland Japan. And have a ground war there as well. Yes. However, uh, with all the countries that have nukes now, this assured mutual destruction and then letting a rogue nation pick up a nuke or 20 or 30, I think we need to rethink the nuclear program and see how we can throttle that way down so other countries do not acquire them. Yeah, looking at other countries not acquiring them... Something that we're in right now, as far as Ukraine, back in the early 90s, we convinced them to get rid of their nukes. And now they have a problem with not only did they get rid of their nukes, but we said we and some others in the world would help to protect you if you were ever invaded. And yet they were invaded and we're not really helping to protect them. So how can we convince other people to fall in line with Ukraine? Absolutely. And, you know, Mr. Biden says that Putin has failed on all kinds of fronts with the Ukraine invasion. And I think he's talking about all of the stuff we've done to dismantle their ruble, take away the oligarchs money and kind of slow his war machine down a little bit. But I think if you uh, could do a survey right now of Ukrainian people 
I think they would tend to differ, especially the mothers and the children. Yeah, well, we can say that we're doing something. Biden, I should say, can say that he's doing something, but it's really for all the stuff on the outside, like you noted, not actually what's going on in the war zone. And you have Russian um, President Putin saying that the Ukraine, well, saying that Ukraine is the problem. If only they would let us do what we want to do to them. then there wouldn't be a problem. They just need to stop fighting back. Well, if they didn't have white supremacists within the country and Nazis, well, they, that's would, they why wouldn't have invaded. Apparently, according to the information from Russians that were interviewed, that's why they invaded Ukraine, because Nazis had taken over. Oh, wait a minute. I thought it was because Ukraine was going to take back some of their land. Oh, right. From the, the Russian separatists that had been taking over certain areas. It's hard to know what to believe because everybody changes their stories every couple of minutes. I was going to say they change their stories by the minute, absolutely. And our vice president, Kamala Harris, says that Putin is going to face severe consequences for his actions. Oh, is she going to be the one to dole out the consequences? Yeah, I'd like to know exactly what consequences we are going to dole out to him because the only way to really do something to him would be to get him out of there and get him over to the Hague and try him for war crimes. That will never happen. Absolutely. That well, will never, ever happen. And if you look at the way wars end or certain situations end, we tend to say if you quit fighting and you surrender, we'll let you keep your country or we'll let you know these things still exist and still happen. So even if it does end, it's going to be beneficial or it's going to benefit Russia in the end. We're going to make some negotiation that, if it ends this way, some negotiation where Russia still gets to keep being Russia, Putin is still in charge, and maybe they make a couple of concessions here and there. And then they'll start back up so many years later. It's going to be interesting to see how much money we end up paying to rebuild Ukraine, no matter who ends up with the country. Yeah, well, we've already we've sent millions, and I think we're we're looking at sending potentially billions, depending on how all of this goes down. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But one of the demands from Russia for the war to end is that Ukraine demilitarize. Do you think that that will be the war ending or Ukraine getting taken over because they can't fight back anymore? That'll be them getting taken over one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't even see how that's a, a real demand. Oh, just demilitarize and we won't do anything to you again. We promise. Yeah, on demilitarizing, I see that Ukraine only has like uh, 25 airplanes right now to fly. And they only fly like three to five missions a day. So that's why the Biden administration has decided they're going to try to send Patriot missile batteries and other missile batteries to help combat uh, Russian airplanes. Because they're darn sure not going to get them from Poland now. Yeah. That I, was a big debacle. Yes, it was. It was absolutely a big debacle. And it's here. Yeah. Again, I go back to the fact that we're supposed to be there protecting them because we said we would, but we're running all of these different scenarios where we, what if we give a plane? Well, it looks like 
Putin might be mad. So we're going to make sure we don't give a plane and Poland can't give planes because they might get invaded. So Poland might give them to the U.S. who might give them over. Oh, no, that will look bad and an escalation. So they just keep doing this cyclical thing where we're really not helping when we say we're helping. I would say Elon Musk has helped it's kind a of, little bit it, more. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, though, that um, they're playing ping pong with these MiG-29s, yet we're sending weapons over there that absolutely obliterate tanks. Now we're sending missile systems that will destroy airplanes, yet we won't give them a handful of vintage airplanes. No matter who gives it to them, sell them to them for a dollar each. Let them come over and pick them up themselves and fly them into their war zone. Wow. So just to... To be clear, as far as when I said Russia wants Ukraine to demilitarize, they've specifically asked for Ukraine to cease military action. So I guess all of that stuff we're sending over, would they not be allowed to use it? Probably, if they agreed to ceasing military action. But they also want Ukraine to change its constitution to enshrine neutrality, acknowledge Crimea as Russian territory, and recognize the other two separatist regions as independent states. So basically, Russia is demanding that Ukraine give up their land officially, at least in three different parts, and have no defense in the future. Hmm. I wouldn't do it, but I think they're going to be forced into it because it's that David and Goliath scenario where they just are getting overrun by sheer numbers and it's amazing how many speaking of sheer numbers how many experts are coming out of the woodwork telling the ukrainians exactly how fast they're going to get their rear ends kicked now the u.s is warning that uh, russian forces are gaining ground on a major target faster than anticipated and you have ex-navy intel officers warning how russia could quickly ignite a much larger war and you have others saying you know what, we've got a bunch of biological labs there that may get taken over by Russia. They are Russian labs. They're not Russian labs. They're left over from the 90s. They're not left over. They're U.S. labs. Well, maybe that's why our favorite F word has kind of fallen off the map here the last couple, three weeks, because maybe he funded those labs there in the Ukraine, and he doesn't want that to come out as well. Yeah, he has gone missing he i have not heard a peep i've been looking for a peep but i have not heard a peep from him and as you said the last so many weeks so it's quite interesting how our entire world revolved our world being the united states but revolved around him and he talked about the lab leak theory being you know non-existent couldn't happen all of that he pushed that that information. So I'm wondering what about these labs in Ukraine caused him to either go go missing, go silent, or what what was going to come out? Because it seems like there's with this big escalation and then him disappearing that there's a connection versus the United States moving away from masking and and things like that. It's just trying to figure out the true connection of him disappearing. All of the United States moving away from masking except for TSA and flying and being in airports. They've extended their mask mandate until the end of April. But maybe that's good 
because masks work. And maybe they'll work about work better with this new Delta Cron. Yeah, masks work, masks don't work. Well, they told us that in order to be protected, we needed to be wearing N95s or KN95s, you know, two years after the fact. That's great. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I guess there is a new potential uh, shifting of the Omicron, and they are calling it Delta Cron. Um, over in London and Sweden, they're tracking about 15 cases, but we have an epidemiologist, William Hanaj or Hang, who says that unless it uh, jumps into about you know a thousand or more, then we're not going to consider it the next strain. It's just going to go away. Wow! Kind of like Fauci has just gone. It away. Just it's just going to go away. Jumping back to Russia and Ukraine. So the claim that they were secretly going to do an offensive to take over the areas controlled by Russian separatists. And Russia claims that they found evidence of this inside Ukraine. So they found some documents that they were planning and whether or not it's true or disinformation is slightly irrelevant. What do you think would have happened if Ukraine had done that first? If they actually had put up an offensive to take back these three specific areas and make sure they were no longer Russian-controlled, do you think that that would have been a trigger for Russia? Yes, especially the port cities. And that's why they took them over, because they don't have very good access to a seaway. And having those ports down there absolutely guarantees them a navy a big Navy coming in and out of those ports. So our vice president, let's get back to Ukraine. So our vice president went to Poland to give a speech with the Polish leader to see if they could smooth things over the airplane debacle and help refugees that are running out of the country. And she basically did what she does She fumbles, she bumbles, she laughs. She asks the person that she's with for help. And I don't know if she's given a set of talking points and she really wants to speak her own mind, but it conflicts her internally. So then that's why she botches whatever speech she's supposed to give. Because I know she's a little smarter than people are portraying her. But I don't believe anybody thinks that when you talk about her inability to handle things you're calling her a racist i mean you're calling her um, how would you put it because she's a woman. because you're a racist yeah, or you're a, a racist sexist be, or yeah, a misogynist because she's a woman of color yes hey which i wondered last night at dinner how long it was going to take before somebody brought that up and bada bing this morning on the view if i can say the view yeah it's not my view right it's not my view either but They're blaming her being a female, the color of her skin, on why so many people pick on her. Yeah, I don't think... I Okay, so I do believe that some people go after her in a manner that is racist, in a manner that is sexist or misogynistic, misogynistic. I do believe people attack her that way, and I think that they've been doing it to women for years. And you can look at it 
for instance, if you want to look at Hillary Clinton, people didn't like the fat, fact that she wore pantsuits and that would make news on, on what she was wearing. Then if you look at first former First Lady Michelle Obama, people would talk about her body all the time and what clothes she was wearing or how her arms looked masculine or whatever. And I know with um, Kamala Harris, they, they do the same thing. They'll say that she looks ugly or she needs to look a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way. And I do believe that those attacks are unfair and it does nobody any good or any justice when they when they say, would you rather have a first lady that was sexy or would you rather have a first lady that looks like this? I hate those types of comparisons as well. It doesn't matter what a woman looks like and people are showing that they are misogynistic or sexist or racist in some cases if they say because she's uh, her heritage is a problem. And so I just want to get that out of the way that there are people who attack her for those reasons. Oh, absolutely. And it's in every sect. And it is. But then you have a situation where you look directly at who she is and what she's doing. And here for for the um, press conference in Poland, in one particular question or set of questions, the reporter asked four questions in in one. And three of them were directed at Kamala Harris. And then one, the fourth question was directed at at the uh, president of Poland. But it was, or the representative, was it the actual president of Poland who was speaking? Or, yes. Or, okay. So it was directed at him. But it was a question that looped in some, you know, a, a thing about the United States. Mr. Andres Duda. Yes, Mr. Duda. So when I heard the question, so it's a set of questions plus looping in the president of Poland, Vice President Harris says that. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And then she kind of makes a smile and looks over at at the president of Poland and kind of doing that. Are you going to take this even though the bulk of the questions were actually directed at her? Instead of answering any of the questions, she's basically deflecting at all the responsibility and trying to get the president of Poland to answer. And ultimately, he's like, uh, OK. And then he starts answering after she laughs hysterically at being asked a question that she would just have to answer. And it was on whether or not the United States had talked to Poland. And I don't remember if it was Poland and other countries, but they specifically mentioned an area of Poland that was having a lot of refugees come in. That particular mayor of the town said, we're falling, you know, bursting at the seams and we really could use help. Have you talked to the United States about this help? And she could have given such a simple statement of well the number of refugees that would be allowed in the United States is up to Congress and the the Biden Harris administration is going to work diligently to make sure that we support our foreign partners across the world blah blah you're hired blah blah but instead we get the the laughing you know response several seconds of laughter and deflection and and whoever else is with her can answer the question We'll see you next. I'm sorry. Well, no, sorry. It was a little, I paused for too long. I took a breath. No. Um, but the fact that nothing about being critical of how she's handling important questions is sexist, is racist, is misogynistic, is whatever label you want to add on to it. We need a leader. And instead of a leader, we have a laugher and a deflector. Now, I get that maybe laughing is 
tends to go with how women, I don't know, uh, express discomfort at questions. I don't know. But you think about you would think that at this point she would be solid in her answers and no longer laughing and deflective. Yes. Well, this, of any question. this point in her career, whether she's VP or not, she should be fully prepared at all times. And it's interesting that the host of The View, one of the hosts, turned a criticism to race, arguing that critics were claiming Harris was unprepared during the press conference because she is a black woman. No, she was just unprepared. She was period. unprepared, period. There's a period at the end of the statement. And whoever, whoever is doing her speeches or helps her prep, fire them and get somebody who can actually do their job. And I don't, you're correct. And I don't know what the flight time is from Washington, D.C. to Poland. But I would bet she had plenty of time and her speechwriter to come up with a solid 10 for a speech. Because there's no way a person that is as high in this country as her went over there and did what she did and pretty much embarrassed herself and embarrassed the U.S. of A. Because you have the former press secretary to the Ukrainian president say, right after she gave the speech or she spoke, it would be a tragedy if Kamala Harris becomes president. Not, it would absolutely words, be a tragedy. Because if she's not qualified to give a simple speech, and I imagine, I, I understand it's not simple, but a prepared speech and a press conference, then she has no business even... The Democratic Party has no business thinking of putting her up as a candidate. Yeah, and it's not just this time. And I understand that you're going to have political pundits everywhere picking out the one-minute clip or the 10, you know, the 10 minutes over somewhere else and the 30 seconds that you fumbled a word and they're going to make a nightly news segment out of it. I get, I get that that does happen when you have the Freudian slip in your in your speech and you're, you're trying to look down at your note cards and look up and make eye contact and look into the camera and whatever else you're trying to do. I get that a slip can happen here or there, but it is every single speech, every single time with both of them, with both of them, they, they cannot get through a single speech without whoever's writing Kamala Harris's speeches are turning her into a third grader or a second grader with some of their their speech writing skills. Russia is a country over here and we're here to make sure that you know this doesn't happen and and then the, she couldn't even get the direction that they were from Russia or from Ukraine or from any other place what direction people were pouring in from. And that was just something as simple as the direction. Yeah, but, and I don't believe that Biden is responsible for him himself because of his cognitive reasoning issues, Harris is 100% responsible for herself because I know she doesn't have cognitive issues. She just has, like you said, bad speech writers. They're giving her a line to tow that she really doesn't want to tow, and she's conflicted. Or maybe she is a dingling and just can... Somehow made it as far as she... Yes, can has. practice law, but she can't articulate to another person. Well, in passing the the California bar is very difficult. So if she passed the California bar, you would think that she is not a ding-dong. Right, and that's the thing I wanted to look up because I did see an article that said she had failed 
more than once, which there's a lot of people, I guess, that fail it and have to take it two or three times. Yes, to pass that it is not uncommon. It's not an easy test. So that's what I was going to say. Even if she did fail it, it's irrelevant. She eventually passed it. She made it up the chain of command. And man, she's in a pickle now. Unlike our president, who's now blaming skyrocketing inflation on Vladimir Putin, when all of it was happening long before this little conflict started. And all the economists that know anything are saying that the Democrats spent $1.9 trillion last year, and that helped fuel this inflation surge. Therefore, this thing's not going to slow down. It's going to get worse, unfortunately, over the next few months. Yeah, and just to touch base, she passed the bar the second time. Okay, She nice. did fail it. Okay, but well. still, she is arguably a smart person, so there is something more going on, whether it, she doesn't like the line that she has to tell and doesn't know how to say what she's going to say. It's So... Something that I've been hearing a lot about, and I've even seen memes from friends posted, is about our gas prices going up. And so I've seen all different kinds, but one of the the memes I've seen is, instead of complaining about gas prices going up, try feeling grateful that you aren't sitting on a concrete floor in a train terminal, holding your cat, wondering if your home and everyone you love has been blown to bits. And then they'll say, oh, feel grateful that you you have a car. Feel grateful, you know, you're not trying to leave your country. And so I just thought it was kind of interesting that you should be grateful because someone else has it worse. And I feel like there's always going to be someone who has it worse. So you should, you really should be grateful for your life and, and it could be worse. But to say this is to say that, Somebody who creates a bad situation can misdirect from the problem because somebody else has it worse. And it may be a first world problem that gas prices are going up, but to create a connection that someone has to have it worse in life in order for it to be okay to complain, but you'll never get to the end because you can say, oh, well, be grateful that you're not sitting on a concrete floor in a train station with your cat. Okay, but the next person says, my cat was blown up. And then the next person says, oh, my cat and my family were were killed. And then the next person says, yes, but my extended family, this happened. And then the next person says, my extended family, you know, died and I lost my big toe. And so it's never, you know, and then the next person says, my, oh, I, I lost my leg or my arm. And it's never like what is that, the Olympics uh, of who has it worse? So anyway, all of that misdirection onto what's actually happening that you can't complain about anything in life because somebody has it worse. It would be, I don't know, like if you say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to pay for gas so I can get to work and put food on my table. Oh, well, you know, you can just do a solid and stick it to Putin. And so everybody can just struggle a little bit with the gas prices. That's coming out of the mouths of millionaires. So it's just funny that we have to have a, your life is, you know, better than mine. So stop complaining. Or we can stick it to Putin, says the millionaire, who (laughs) doesn't know, doesn't even remember what it's like to struggle to pay for gas to get to to work. So anyway, like the oppression Olympics, this one has been coming around. That sounds like one of the VPs we used to have at my work. We had a meeting once and somebody raised their hand and said, can I ask a question? VP said, sure. 
he comes up and says, well, when do you think we're going to get a raise since we haven't had a raise in X? And instead of the VP saying, well, we're looking into that and we're working with your non-union union group and we'll see what we can come up with. He said, you know what? A lot of other people like working here for what the salary they're getting is. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. So that runs along the same lines of somebody. It's always somebody else is worse off than you, or somebody else is better off than you, or you're equal, or it's kind of kind of nonsensical. I don't I don't get that mindset. Yeah, I don't either. So going with gas prices, though, uh, instead of rescinding the executive order that Biden signed ending the uh, pipeline in the United States, instead of rescinding that executive order and looking at how we could support America now, it would be American jobs, it would be supporting the American economy, supporting Americans in general. Instead, we're looking to oil-rich dictators for help. And so uh, asking them to sell us cheap oil from Venezuela, from the Middle East, so now instead of relying on our our own country, and by the way, if we rely on our own country, we can have laws surrounding how to treat the environment instead of going to other countries that may not have those same laws on treating the environment well, and we're going to buy that oil. So we're going to support them. So it's interesting. Let's get into some gas prices and some analogies and some thought processes here. I've been bantering back and forth with someone on Facebook, and I'm not sure if it's a bot or if it's an actual real person, because this person is really anti-American if you dive into some of his thinking. So let me back up to when Obama took over from Bush. Gas was $1.83 a gallon. This bot or this person in a previous text said, well, but gas prices were higher under Bush than they were or than they are right now under Biden and all that's going on. What the guy or machine failed to mention was the fact that he had two catastrophes during his presidencies. One was 9-11, which actually tanked oil prices and brought the price of fuel and gas down below $20 a barrel. And then he had the 2008 crisis, which it went the other direction. But his last day of office gas was $1.83. So when Biden came into office, and who did he take over for? When Biden, he took over from Trump. Mr. Trump. Mm -hmm. Okay, so gas was $2.37 a gallon. So it's currently sitting at $5.86 as of yesterday when I looked this up. So basically someone is responsible for this. Since the President of the United States is the leader of the free world, he owns it no matter what it is. So he needs to man up. Well, it's funny. I, I have some friends who posted about this and like Biden is a singular individual. He doesn't control the gas prices that if you think that he does, you're you're stupid, dumb, terrible, whatever. But what's funny is they said how he didn't control the gas prices and, and stop blaming him for stuff. And then remember when our gas prices went down like two cents? He took credit. And then he took credit and others took credit for him from the DNC and stuff like that. Oh, look, his release of so many barrels from the stockpile really helped. 
And so it either is on him or isn't on him. It's only on somebody when it's politically expedient for a certain positive. Right. So, but you're telling me that shutting down a pipeline had zero impact. You're telling me that not allowing drilling, not approving permits, because one of the misdirections that Jen Psaki said was, oh, we have more, I think it was like more permits approved than, than in any time in history, but they're not actually giving the approval for the full drilling. The permit's approved, but you can't use it. So it was a misdirection in saying like, oh, there's been more permits approved since blah, blah, blah. Right. But they're not actually allowing and approving the use of the permit because there's a process in place even after you get the rights to a certain area. Right. And a lot of people don't understand with the Keystone XL pipeline, there's actually six pipes. There's four that are currently being used and the permits were killed for number five and number six. And five and six combined were larger than one through four together, which would have given us the ability to move 900,000 barrels a day. How do they move the oil if they don't move it by pipeline? They move it by truck. And that's where I'm going to get into my next little component here because people say that they don't set the pricing. Well, there's five different variables that set the pricing. One is the refining process. It depends on whether it's heavy crude or sweet crude. depends on whether they pull it out of the ground up in the mountains or flat ground, or if they're pulling it from deep water wells, because the deep water ones are very, very expensive to bring up and refine. Then after you refine it, you've got to retail it. Okay. So you've got to find retail outlets. You have to transport it. Okay. And that's all after a commodities broker gets the price where the oil company would like to see it so they can all make a profit. You know, they always go after these oil companies and think, man, they're they're just making a lot of money. And they are, but their uh, ROI, the return on investment is very, very low. The percentage they receive versus what they're bringing in is is two total different animals. And that's another thing. They say, well, we, we export so much oil, and why do we import so much? Well, it has to do with the light, sweet crude and the heavy crude. Because our refining capacity, we're running about 85% right now. And it's easy for them to do the heavy crude. It's hard for them to do the light because our refineries aren't set up to do a lot of light crude. So people that say we have crappy oil here in the U.S., they don't know what they're talking about. Because we send that light crude out to other countries that actually can refine it because they have the refining capacity. And we export to over 74 countries on a regular basis. So our net import versus export is like um, 2 million barrels a day swing. And I get people that ask me through my little Facebook chains, well, it's a finite product that we're almost out of. Well, that's partially true. We have approximately 50 years of crude left or about 1.7 trillion barrels worldwide. And what people forget along with that crude, there's 6,000 products that are made or the beginning starting process of those products is made from petroleum. What's the alternative? Nobody ever explains it. They just say oil executives are dum-dums. Well, I have bad news for you. They're not. Yeah. So one of the things that you have touched on, which I do believe is important, where do we go from here? So we say that we want to stop using oil, that there's a finite amount left. And so we shouldn't just, you know, keep barreling, 
sorry for the term, barreling forward and using it all up and then trying to decide what to do when once we use it all up. We should try to find something that is good for the environment, that is green energy, so to speak. But we should be trying to move our way forward in something that's environmentally friendly, which, sorry, electric vehicles are not because of how they are they tear apart the earth too to get to the necessary components for the electric vehicles, but that's a, a little side issue. But we should be moving forward in trying to find a way that we can be green. And I can agree with that and I can agree with that future. But doing it, saying we're going to do this thing, but having no plan to get there and just shutting down the use of oil, that doesn't really solve our problem we just have to put on the brakes of life, I guess. People can't go to work. People, I just don't understand that whole idea. Like, we're not there yet. Let's get there. Let's let's push our, our best and do our best and try to get to a place where we, we have this so-called miracle green energy. But if we're not there yet, we're not there yet. However, they're still pushing uh, even, so Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, so sorry, I've voted for you in the primary, but Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg have both been saying, well, you wouldn't feel the pinch of fuel prices if you just bought a green electric vehicle. Okay, let me go spend 60000 40000 100000 go buy that Tesla. <laughs> but that, that's their answer. Well, if you, if you bought a green car when I'm living in an apartment... Is that when I'm supposed to buy a green car? When I have no outlet to plug it into, is that when I'm supposed to buy a green car? When I haven't even been a, you know, if I can't afford a house yet, or if I'm paying off, you know, bills and buying a brand new car really isn't something that I can do, their response still is the hoity-toity, well, just buy a $60,000 car. Well, I'm surprised they didn't tell you to take public transportation. You know, it's an easy solution. Because, you know, I'm a simple guy. And if you want to wake somebody up, take the most staunch Go Green supporter. Take them to the coldest place in America, whether it be Alaska or whether it's back east this year. Put them on a freeway in an electric car with no jacket, stuck in traffic for five hours, six hours. When their battery goes dead in their electric car, and they're freezing to death. Then take that same person, same location, car with a gas engine in it with a full tank. Fire it up, turn the heater on, sit there for six hours in comfort. And then ask them, okay, we have not come up with a 100% green solution yet. What is the fix? If you don't have a fix, quit demanding that people go buy $60,000 cars. Quit demanding that you alter your lifestyle to please them. Right. They And that's one thing I've noticed is people who talk about going green, like Mr. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Mr. Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, when he wanted to show how green he was by bicycling into work, he took a big old gas guzzling SUV, drove up partway to work, and then got out with his bicycle and started showing how he was going green by bicycling. 
fake. It's all for show. It's, you know, he shouldn't ever be in a gas guzzler. He shouldn't be on a plane that's not green energy certified. All of these people do that. They tell you what to do, but they're, all of their gas is paid for by taxpayers. Do you think any one of our Congress people who are anti, you know, gas and, and only pro-green energy, do you think that they never take an airplane? Do you think they never get in a gas guzzler? No, they do because somebody else pays for it. So they're not seeing the pinch in the wallet. All of their stuff they can write off as helping their constituency so they don't ever see the pinch of gas prices. Well, let's be clear. Both of us are pro-green. Both of us have solar on our homes. We're 100% for it. But I believe, too, like you, you can use petroleum and green concurrently. All of our plexiglass that saved us from this evil, evil COVID that nobody seemed to care about the fact that every grocery store and every store itself got plexiglass put up as a barrier. What is plexiglass made out of? Petroleum. So why didn't we care then? Two years ago, we all of a sudden decided that caring about the environment was not on our list of things to do. Well, it's selective caring, and everybody thought they were going to die. Yeah, and That's so we, yeah, we put up these plexiglass barriers, and then in California, it's hard to get a straw. Usually, you can only get paper straws, if that, and they taste like paper every single time you take a sip, in case you were wondering, but... We do away with paper, or sorry, we do away with straws, but you go, you walk around and all of those same anti-straw people are tossing their masks on the ground. Roger that. So let's stay green for a couple minutes. Aren't those big old windmills pretty cool? They're cool looking. Yeah, they whip around and they make lots of power, but you know what's not cool about those? What's not cool about them? Is we didn't make a material for the blades. That would last for eternity. So the life expectancy of these blades, I believe, is 15 to 20 years. So now, unfortunately, they don't decompose when you bury them. And the structure of the material, you can't break them up and throw them away or recycle them. So now we have thousands upon thousands of these timed out blades just sitting around on dirt. And these experts are trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do with them. So we weren't quite so green when we were being green. We We weren't like green, green. We were not so green. And then out in the deserts of Nevada, they build these big old solar farms that actually heat water, boil it, steam it. And they have steam generators that run power. Well, unfortunately, it draws in the sun and they're so intense that as a bird flies by, they... They die. They They go puff and smoke. And it's really quite interesting that we were, we have endangered birds here in California and other, well, federally we have endangered bird lists and California has its own endangered list. But if you are a farm, any type of farm or your, your commercial outlet and you do business, any type of business, so that's the commercial part of it, and you accidentally kill any of these endangered birds, there's a fine per animal, fine per bird, that you have to pay. But they made exception for the green people, these solar farms that were heating up and killing birds, 
and the wind farms, when the birds would run into the wind turbines, they actually would give a free pass if you were green and killed endangered animals versus if you weren't green and killed endangered animals, both being unintentional killings. Obviously, the intentional killing of an endangered animal, find the heck out of them, send them to prison, you know, that whole that whole thing. But yeah, so they actually would give free pass on the killing of endangered animals if you killed them with green energy. You know, that reminds me of something. Talking about animals killing. So in Nevada, they have turtles, tortoises that walk across the freeways and the roads. They made special little areas for them. They have little special places. Well, they were having trouble and they had either too many of them or they were going to have to put a bunch of them down. So I actually, as a Californian, called and tried to adopt one. Oh, that's sweet. You wanted to adopt a desert tortoise? Yes. But Department of Fish and Game or whatever they call them there in Nevada wouldn't let me bring one to California. Really? Because I was going to take it out out of its natural environment. Does that make any sense? But they were going to kill it. They were, they not were going to, they killed a, they euthanized a bunch of them. Well, I'm saying before they euthanized them, they were already going to kill it. And the response is, well, you're going to take it out of its natural habitat. Well, you're already going to kill it. What? That was really, it was better to kill it than to take it out of its natural habitat. Yeah, it was the craziest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah, I would say that that's pretty crazy. Yes, it is. Petito family. Remember them? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Sad. Poor young lady that was murdered. Well, they're suing the parents now because they're almost certain that he knew that he had murdered her. And the parents knew that that had happened and didn't say anything to them. Oh, like to help help their son? Yes. I wonder how they're going to... Well, they they might have something to prove it. Maybe they turned their phones back over to them after the police were done with the investigation. Maybe they found something. Boy, and I sure like conspiracy theories when they turn out to be true. One of the uh, topics of conversation we've had over the past couple of episodes, at least, I think it's been more than a month now that we've been talking about it, but the water, the water situation in Hawaii... So there was the Red Hill fuel tanks and back and forth between the state of Hawaii Health Department and the Navy with regard to whether or not they would keep the fuel storage facility. They were told to get rid of it. Then the Department of the Navy said, no, we're going to keep it. And they were fighting the order. Well, apparently the Pentagon has decided to close the Hawaii fuel storage facility that leaked and sickened military family members, as well as children's daycare and school facilities, among other places. What is the percentage of fuel in that farm? Do you know? I don't. So it was interesting to hear that ultimately, after all of the fighting, they decided to to can it. Yep, statement by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin III on the closure of Red Hill bulk fuel storage facility. Yeah, a lot of fighting went on. Shoot, it's been there since 1943, and it's obvious that stuff's not going to last a lifetime. Look, we can't even get a windmill blade to last a lifetime. And yet we think our storage facility with 
corrosive material inside it is going to last forever. We've had, over the last few days, um, or a week, the spending bills and allocations for various programs. So every so many months we get into this cycle where our Congress passes a spending bill that is only to tide us over until the next time they need to urgently pass a spending bill because they don't actually pass a full budget and they haven't in a while. And even when they do pass a full budget, it's usually after the uh, spending season has started, the fiscal year has started. So we had another one, another spending bill, and it was to tide us over for a little while. And I, I don't know if they're going to get all the way to the end of September, or if they're going to do another emergency one that goes for a month or so. But anyway, so there was an allocation for $40 million for democracy programs in Venezuela. So we have also the border security of eight other countries, but not the United States. So we are spending millions to have our border not be secure and to not do anything to secure it that's remotely helpful. Uh, But we will be spending money for eight other countries to have a more secure border. Makes no sense, does it? No, going for eight foreign... And I'm not saying the eight foreign countries don't need help, such as Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tanzania, Oman, Nepal, Libya, Pakistan, even though they're our adversary. We are going to spend money to help them secure their borders. But we won't do anything about the millions of people pouring in across the southern border. Why would you want to do that? You take away a voting block. A future voting block. Yeah, we don't actually want to secure our borders. It seems to be the wrong thing to do. But in the spending plan, uh, Representative AOC put out a little press briefing on securing money for the Bronx. And Are you going to back her again? I, I didn't back her the first time. <laughs> uh-uh. I, <laughs> the only thing I've said Are is Are you going to agree with something there, she said again? Actually, I'm going to disagree with something okay, that she said. Okay, so they counter themselves out. <laughs> so I'm countering when I agreed with her on a particular situation. Anyway, so she was talking about the money that they got for the Bronx and Queens, because that's her jurisdiction, when they the house passed a particular bill and and she broke it down in this little nice little picture breakdown of it looks like a a picture of her jurisdiction and then little spots on the map and it would say this area is getting this much money for this project in this area this much money for that project which fine she's telling her constituents what it means to them but on this blurb it says rep aoc just won millions for community project in NY14. She hit the lotto? That, you know, is it hitting the lotto when you take taxpayer dollars for your constituency? I didn't think that it was winning money to because it's pork spending or what is it that she won? She she finally did her time in Congress and like, "Okay, you won. Here's your little lottery ticket for your your area. We'll let you win this time." I don't know, I was just bothered by her saying, we won millions, or AOC won millions. It's not winning millions. It's spending taxpayer dollars. Whether you want it to be spent or not, it is not winning. It is spending tax dollars. That's how you disconnect it 
from the taking of one to the giving of another, another is by saying you're winning money. Well, you know, if we would take care of our homeland first, like you said, securing border, borders and taking care of constituents nationwide, then handing out money to these other 8, 10, 12, 14, 9, 11, 13 countries, we'd be a lot better off and they probably wouldn't make statements like this because there'd be plenty of tax money going into our own people. Yeah. No. Winning money. Do you know who won money, though? Do you know who really won money? BLM. BLM, the corporate group, really won money. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we've talked about it previously on this show where BLM was actually taken off of Amazon's Smile Network so you couldn't donate to them through shopping on Amazon. Right. Well, it turns out that they are also pulled from Act. Blue, which is the fundraising arm of the Democrats. So you could go on to donate money to Act Blue and it would go to Democrat leaning causes. So the media isn't talking about the fact that there is $6 million in unaccounted for money with BLM. So over $6 million has not been accounted for by BLM and they've shuffled money around their organizations to buy properties. In the United States and up Canada. in Canada. But instead of going head on and saying, hey, this happened, all of these corporations were supporting BLM and donating money to their cause corporately. And they had a big name. Now they're just silently being removed from different donation platforms that nobody's really talking about what went on and why they're being removed. They just kind of slid out. Just another partially corrupt organization, just like Solyndra and all the other money takers. You know, somebody has to produce that money to give to the government to give to them. So, you know, we're ending all this uh, pandemic stuff from the last two years which is mass mandates and lockdowns. Uh, sounds like vaccines. Get one now, but it's more to get less sicker than actually prevent it. Well, I guess there's 13 governors across the U.S. that are asking for an extension of all these rules for at least another 90 days. Really? Yes. They said they need more time to prepare and ask that the notice period before making a change to the declaration be increased from 60 to 90 days. Don't get it because I thought the day before the State of the Union when the CDC did away with mass mandates, I thought that was the end of this pandemic. That it was done. Well, they, they just did it for the, the videos. They, they wanted our, our leadership to look all amazing with their no mass face at the State of the Union. It wasn't done because we had a State of the Union going on. It was done for health reasons. I, I thought that they did it because they did a little test at the Super Bowl when nobody was wearing masks and all was good. So they decided it was good for the nation. Well, it was good for the millionaires and billionaires. It's, it's, it's okay for the rich elite. It's not okay for the everyday person. We still have to be controlled. Well, speaking of control... So I don't know how many people died worldwide from COVID-19. I think it was around 6 million I, so far. I know California is right at a million, or the U.S. is right at a million. The pandemic back in the 1918s, 1919, 
1920, I believe, was in the millions of millions, potentially up to 40 million from what I've read. Some say over the next 20 years it was even more because all of the side effects that took people out over time. You know, all these folks, these Democrats are saying that even though the pandemic may potentially be over and it's endemic now, we're changed forever. I just hope that the adults in the room back then weren't big babies like they are now and actually had a bigger pair than what the people do now. Because I'll tell you what, I'm not seeing anything across this nation that's impressing me with these people. How they get elected and how they put their thumb on people is beyond me. I mean, we have a big one here in California that is one of the most arrogant human beings I've ever seen. Never been around him, but I've seen him plenty. I didn't see if he was one of the uh, governors, one of the 13 states, but I sure hope not, because as it relates to masks and all this other stuff, this boy be done with that stuff. Yeah, I'm quite done. I'm quite done with it myself. I'm in the camp that masks don't work. Look no further than the fact that I got COVID from an establishment where masking was occurring. Mandatory. And yet, somehow, I still got it. So I'm in the camp that masks don't work. Well, see, I'm in a camp now that we've had empirical data, and I'm going to beat this horse again. Simple guy. Studies from Israel, studies from our own CDC, studies from the medical outlets in Europe say, if you've had it, you are as protected as someone that's had two shots, if not better. And your longevity is much better than the vaccine because the vaccine only seems to be lasting four to six months. Uh, definitely not long enough. Folks, we'll, folks that got SARS-CoV-1 18 years later are showing immunity. So there you go. Yep. So in other news, not that that's not important. Yes, because I'm done with that news. <laughs> well, I, I it's not really in other news. I do want to touch on policy shifting since you noted that some... Uh, governors are, are trying to ask for an extension, but companies that had stringent policies and went along with the administration's uh, stance that you vax or you get fired. Well, United Airlines, I believe, was one of the first to do a vax or firing campaign against their employees. So if your workers did not get the vaccine, they were fired. If they had a religious exemption pending, whether granted or not, but we're just going to go with if it was granted. If it was granted, they were put on unpaid leave. They still were not allowed to work, even if they had a religious exemption. So now United has shifted its policy to allow workers who didn't get the vaccine to return to work. So apparently the backs are quit, backs are fire is now, oh, we need employees so you can come back Don't you want to work for us again? Well, and maybe they're following the science. Finally, instead of going with vax or firing. Because they shouldn't have been so quick to judge. And they should have waited it out to see what the true story was going to be. In in one of the topics that we briefly touched upon, which was gas prices. So apparently... Gas is now officially more expensive 
than the movie I Am Legend, imagine it would be during the apocalypse. Really? And I get that that was a movie, but apparently in the imagination of Hollywood, the apocalypse would see cheaper gas prices than what we're currently seeing in this non-apocalypse. So West Point and multiple West Point Academy cadets on spring break overdosed on fentanyl-laced cocaine. What are military and... uh, Future military doing with drugs. Future leaders. They're supposed to be the leaders. Our leadership is are doing drugs. That's terrible. Uh, I um, When I was in the Navy and I was stationed at my school site in Pensacola, Florida, there was a situation where an officer was jogging the perimeter of our base, which was actually small compared to other bases because we were on the small crypto side. And this officer was jogging around the perimeter with headphones on and jogged right out in front of a car and got hit. They didn't die, which is great. But again, they were an officer. So the new rule change that came down was no more jogging the perimeter with headphones on if you were enlisted. If you were enlisted? Yes, and it was an officer. It was an that, officer that got hit. And so then the rule was that the enlisted can no longer jog the perimeter with their headphones on. Makes perfect sense. Doesn't it? So let's talk about voting. There's a few areas of voting that I would like to cover. And one of them is, I don't know if you remember this slogan when we were going into the 2020 election cycle. But the slogan was, vote blue no matter who. Yes. Okay, so in Vote Blue, no matter who, one of the elected individuals became Biden, because it didn't matter who it was, just as long as you voted blue. Do you remember when we were told, and the left swore up and down, that Trump was going to cause World War III, and then Trump was elected and created peace in several countries? Yes. And then the left did Vote Blue, no matter who, and now in one year... Not only was Afghanistan a disaster, but we're on the brink of World War III. Good times. Doesn't Jesus have to come back to Earth? Jesus is War coming III. back. For World War III. Not for World no? War III. No. Jesus, Jesus is going to come back when Jesus is going to come back. But us little earthlings can be as stupid as we want to be. Well, I heard somebody talk about that at work the other day, that it can't be World War Three yet because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Yeah, well, there's going to be an all-out war well, according to Revelation. Right. Well, the uh, Democratic leaders in liberal cities have declared war. You want to know against who? Against the everyday person? Well, kind of. Against homeless people and homeless shelters. I thought we liked them. Well, they have finally decided that they've had enough. And they want to clean it up. So I guess spending, like in Southern California, hundreds of millions of dollars and not pulling more than one or two people off the street, enough is enough. They're tired of having feces thrown at them. They're tired of being peed on. They want to actually maybe try to fix the problem. Oh, is this... um The governor of our great state of California has decided that he may push to have... 
homeless involuntarily committed and involuntarily given the help even if they don't want it. I did hear about that, not so much about what the city leadership was doing. Well, one of the cities is up in Oregon. They've decided that they're taking their city back and they're done with this. Wow. And they're one of the first, they were one of the first proponents nationwide of these little homeless encampments. But from what I was told, some people that recently traveled up that way, that the homeless encampments were actually really clean along the freeway there. And they were surprised at the difference in where they live here in California versus what they were seeing up in Oregon. Quite interesting at, at how we'll do a direction shift. And I get it when we have more information and things don't work out as we had hoped that we should be shifting instead of doubling down on stupid. But Well, when there's yeah. open, you know, I have a different thought process with that because if it's open land that nobody's living on that you haven't worked your life for your house or for your business i can see them giving them a little bit to to squat on for a while until they get themselves fixed up they move on or they pass but you can't let hundreds of people go like to downtown san francisco or by all the peers, and just put up a bunch of encampments because they don't have water and garbage. They don't have the basic necessities. So you start getting really unhealthy environments, and then people don't want to travel up there. Uh, I will not probably ever at 59, almost 60, ever go to San Fran again unless I hit the lottery and I have to go collect my money because it's just a terrible place to go visit. And it used to be one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. Was it San Francisco or Sacramento where you would collect your money? Well, I would go to Sacramento by way of San Francisco because I'd go see. up and have me some clam chowder. Right. No, there's some so much that I that I loved about San Francisco, and unfortunately, not so much anymore. Nope. Just like a lot of other places, it's been really degraded because you have uh, one group or the other that has a different philosophy or mindset, and they don't. They don't think about the people that are actually paying the bills. No. So jumping back to the topic of voting and um, what our votes can get us. One, you can get people who vote that homeless people will never have to get better. And you have people who vote all different kinds of ways. But going back to voting, we have seen across many different states where the laws were broken in order for voting to occur the way that they occurred. And what I mean is in a few different states like Wisconsin, they were allowed to vote. I believe it was longer than the actual election period allowed. In Pennsylvania, they were allowed to register and vote absentee, even though it was counter to the law. In New Hampshire, same problem. So we had many different states where we had votes that occurred unlawfully. Even if the person would lawfully be allowed to vote, the votes themselves occurred unlawfully. So what I've been looking into and what I've been wondering is about reviewing our election results and why reviewing election results and making sure that the law was followed is somehow an attack on democracy. How is making sure that we, whatever laws are in place, we either follow them or if we do not like them, we change them. And I understand some people are going to say, oh, I don't, I think we should have ID. I think we shouldn't have ID. 
whatever that is, you know, whatever case that may be. But if you have a set of laws and you don't follow them, how is that a lawful election of people? It's not. And yet, if you bring any of this up, you're a conspiracy theorist who's anti, you know, <laughs> anti whatever word you want to throw out. You're racist if you want election IDs. But if you say, hey, the law wasn't followed, you're a conspiracy theorist who Lab doesn't leak. understand. What drew us into World War II, Japan? Well, Japan's bombing of Pearl Harbor, or air raid on Pearl Harbor helped to draw us in, but we were already working in different areas to get weapons and, and things across to our allies. Why did they get angry at us? Fuel. Oil embargo. Yes, we, uh, we put up an oil embargo. It's amazing what that liquid gold does, isn't it? It is quite, quite sad and quite amazing. I don't know what's caused more wars, warring religions or fuel. Money. Yeah, money. But you need fuel. Yep. Yes. So Jesse Smollett was sentenced to jail time and three years of probation, along with being ordered to pay a fine for participating, orchestrating and participating in his hoax. But that was a kangaroo prosecution. That's the only reason he was found guilty. Right. I mean, it wasn't because they had actual video evidence counter to what... He was saying, or the fact that the individuals who who uh, said it's MAGA country were from Nigeria, or the fact that Jesse Smola actually had been paying one of the individuals for, I think it was supposed to be for making him stronger in workouts and stuff like that, that he, he apparently got attacked by someone he was working closely with but then he had no idea who they were never mind the the money payments that also were sent you know i wish i knew how to look at things from a black perspective because i can't because i'm white but here you have another case where an individual says that because he's black it was a kangaroo prosecution in a matter of months Meanwhile, the families of more than 50 black women murdered in Chicago over the last 20 years are still awaiting justice. I, I don't understand the, the thinking of people and how they come up with this reasoning. Like you said, it was pretty clear what happened. And the reason the case was adjudicated so quickly is because it was a slam dunk. It's an easy one. When you're going after murder suspects and you have to produce all that evidence and you have to go through discovery and all the stuff involved and things I know nothing about, I'm assuming it takes a lot longer. Well, right, because you can't just prove that they committed a specific act. You have to have to also go and prove that that act contributed to their death because you could bop somebody in the head and then later they could be found dead, but it turns out that another thing killed them. So you have to prove like all of these different steps in between. Right. And wasn't the biggest thing with Mr. Smollett was uh, Starbucks? It was Subway. Oh, okay. He was Subway, going to get Subway. a sub sandwich at okay. 2 a.m. in the morning, which I know at 2 o'clock in the morning I'm I'm asleep or presumably asleep. I'm hoping that I'm sleeping through the night, but sometimes, you know, 
sleepless nights. I get that. But at two o'clock in the morning for other people, that just may be dinner time. So it's not unreasonable that he would go get a sub sandwich at two o'clock in the morning on the coldest night that Chicago has seen in as many years. Or that he would keep the noose around his neck until police officers arrived there. Or that everything, even though he was attacked and he apparently fought back and ran away or or something to that effect, everything was still in perfect order, such as his sandwich was still present at his home. Like he brought his sandwich home. So when he was fighting back, he held on to it and the sandwich didn't look any worse for wear. But I guess it was all different things. That helped to right, lead to right. this Right, and I fact. knew it started with an S. I thought it was Starbucks. Didn't yep, Subway. It was Subway. So what do you do when you're faced with a war clear across the world from you and you know that one side is nuclear, you're nuclear, countries around, I believe Poland might have nukes too. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that Europe does, uh, or England does, France does. You live unprotected, basically, in a nice community in Central California. Do you pack up and move and go hide? Do you hope that we get real adults in office that can de-escalate this thing? You would hope for de-escalation. Or that if, unfortunately, things did escalate, that we would be able to intercept any potential nuclear warheads or nuclear bombs before they got to the United States or one of our countries. I know for a fact we have technology. Well, I don't know for a fact, but I know for a fact because I know somebody who knows somebody. We have technology that we can do a very good job at all their land-based stuff, but we have a really hard time, like they have a hard time, tracking our subs. And their subs, and that's where the biggest problem lies, because they can launch multiples from their submarines. From various. And you hope once they uh, break the surface that you can detect them and stop them. But unfortunately, it's called mutual assured destruction. Yes. And the fact is that they've done, uh, war colleges and other groups have done war games to see how this would play out. And unfortunately, it looks like there'd be a billion deaths worldwide if we both launched, that doesn't bode very well for one-third or one-seventh of the population of the world. No, it does not. Considering another country just tried to kill off a bunch of us with a bug. Sad, but true. Yep. So speaking of bombings, the Boston Marathon bomber actually had his sentence reduced to life in prison. But I guess the Supreme Court has now reinstated the death sentence for the surviving member of the Boston Marathon bombers. We are looking at if you bomb on the United States, bomb the United States, in this case in Boston, you will face the death penalty. But if you launch nukes, we're probably looking at, as you said, mutual assured destruction. Destruction. So we all die anyway. Speaking of Russia... Oh, but, sorry, just before you get to Russia, do you know where the the Boston Marathon bombers were from? Ukraine. Chechnya. Chechnya. 
The Chechnyan rebels. Yeah, so they were from Chechnya and turned into Islamic extremist radicals. And so it's just kind of interesting that we're looking at Chechnyans who went into Ukraine to attack and and try all to of assassinate that going, the president there. And tried to assassinate yeah. the Ukrainian president. So they were apparently from Chechnya. Now they came when they were younger to the United States, but they still they still went back and learned how to be a bomber and came back to the United States. So I believe it was the older brother that went and did some training and then got his younger brother involved. Yes. So anyway, Russia, how many astronauts do we have up at the International Space Station total? Do you know? I don't know how many we have up right now. I want to say it's, we personally have three. I believe SpaceX sent up two, and then there was a third who was going on the longest time in space at the moment. Well, Russia's threatening to strand U.S. astronauts in space because of everything that's going on. That was supposed to be their ride back down. Right. Well, if I was Elon Musk, I'd launch one of his little ships, and I wouldn't even tell him. I'd just show up say, hey, we're here to pick up our boys, open the door. Yeah, so I guess the plan was for um, the astronaut who is holding the the record for the most time in space to land in Kazakhstan with two Russian cosmonauts on a Russian spacecraft. So now that we are sanctioning Russians and their space program, we could see a stranded astronaut. And, you know, they have to be prepared and the weather has to be good for another flight up there to take somebody home so hopefully elon musk can do it and save us yet again even though we don't want to give him any credit for anything that he does to help us right he can just say he's ubering up there to bring him home wow or uh what's wow is chernobyl still an active reactor so i i think they just put up a barrier and told people to keep out I don't know after the disaster what they did to secure the area and maybe make it not Just so curious reactive. Just because the Russians are holding 200 employees hostage there at Chernobyl. So I'd... Wow. And that's one thing that invading countries around the world have never done. They've always put a circle on their maps around the nuclear facilities and they've been hands off. And here Russia goes after all of them. They're doing everything against the Geneva Convention and traditional warfare. Maybe if they raise the taxes there, it would help. Yeah, that's what they should do. Raising taxes is usually the answer. Like in California, that's the answer to everything. That's how you fix it. You raise the taxes. So with California, we have high income tax, high sales tax, gas tax, car tax, property tax. But there is a California politician who wants to impose... Um, taxes on savings and investments of assets for state residents. You know, this, this gin sake, I think she's drinking cold or hot sake. Sake for the sake? Well, now she's telling TikTok influencers that Russia definitely hacked the election in 2016. Wait, I thought we had the most secure election to the not secure election to the secure election. I thought you couldn't hack. Wait, I, okay, seriously, though, seriously. I thought they said that the machines couldn't be hacked. Isn't that what they proved to us in 2020, that hacking couldn't happen? 
And we spent five years, six years now on a Russian disinformation campaign of Trump stealing the election. And it turns out that Hillary Clinton paid for all of that material to be to be given. But I thought we learned through the most secure election ever that that couldn't happen. Right. Here's the thing, though, is they're they're blending two things together, because I remember our congressman, Devin Nunes, had been saying for years that Russia was meddling in our elections. Yes, just as we meddle in everybody and else's just as, elections. Just as Mr. Barack Obama had our guys meddle in Israel's election to try to get Benjamin Netanyahu beaten. But what she's conflating is the fact that they did probably play around in our elections in some avenue, but it was not Trump. And what she's trying to do by this is marry the two up and make it appear that the only reason he won is because of Russian meddling, and it's just factually not true. Well, yeah, well, it's been, there's a lawyer currently on trial for helping to peddle the Russian disinformation story that the dossier on Trump was faked, and it was created by the Democrats and then turned over to the FBI, to our government, to prove what they were, whatever it is that they were trying to prove. And yet here we are again saying that it really happened. Now, if a Russian disinformation campaign really happened, why did they have to fake a whole dossier? If Trump really has these overseas ties, and I do believe there really is a dossier on him because he's been doing business overseas for years. Roger that. So why do we have to have a fake dossier if there's a real dossier? And why do we have to have fake Russian, you know, cover up plants, all of this stuff going on <coughs> when there is a real disinformation meddling campaign. Like why do we have to create a fake if it really exists? Because he was a populist candidate. They knew he was going to go in there and shake up some stuff. They did not want him in office. They only want true rhinos or true Lifelong Dems. They don't want an outlier to get in there and win office because that person can get in there and see what's really going on and try to fix it. But then he has all forces against him, which is very unfortunate. Yes, he has had so many people against him, both on the right and the left. And you want to call him baddie, you can call him baddie, but apparently baddie got us uh, a lot of good. Cheapest diesel prices in years. Cheap diesel. We got a booming economy, good jobs, uh, bringing more jobs home to America, opening up or reopening, as it were, factories and facilities and bringing good paying jobs back on American soil for like the car manufacturers coming back. And yet somehow he's the worst. And now we have jobs leaving the United States. And we're in a better position. Our gas price is so high, but it's not Biden's fault. No, it's never his fault. It's never so, any of his policies either. So we have Disneyland in California. Yes. And Disney World in Florida. Yes. Then Disney, the Disney Corporation has Disney Russia, Disney Japan, Disney China. Disney Paris. Paris. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple others. So we have to make sure we don't commit genocide here in the U.S. against ethnic groups, yeah? 
Yes, absolutely. So I guess at an annual annual shareholder meeting, an activist shareholder accused the Walt Disney Company of complicity in China genocide, claiming the entertainment giant was being hypocritical for pulling its business away from Russia over human rights abuses, but turning a blind eye to the atrocities committed in China. Absolutely. Whatever's politically expedient. Now everybody is pulling out of Russia and people are quick to to shut off the Russian spigot, money pipeline spigot for themselves. So let's push that to another corporation, which is rather large here in the U.S., the McDonald's Corporation. Yes, they shut down their corporate McDonald's in Russia. Every single McDonald's restaurant. Yes. Let all the employees go temporarily. However, they're still paying all of them. Yes. Whether they get paid weekly, by whatever. But we're not doing that for China. We're not doing that for China. So what hypocrisy we have here. Quite high. So I guess, I wonder if Starbucks is in Russia also. Probably. That would be interesting to figure out, to see if they shut them down too. No more lattes. Yeah. Lattes are gone. Lattes are gone. Yeah. Did you know that children today are less creative and less motivated than children of years past? Is that because they were indoors for two years? Because they were indoors, they've been shut down, they've been masked up, they couldn't do any extra activities, and in some cases they were told to stay home, get on the computer, and don't physically do anything else because you're spending seven hours a day, in some cases, in front of a computer screen. We took away problem-solving skills because we just give them everything, and we tell them what they can and can't do explicitly, and... And their assignments that they're getting, there's one right answer and you have to follow a pattern. Everybody has to follow the same pattern. And we, we've basically just taken away is that creativity. That new math? Is that that new math here in California they instituted a couple, three, four years ago? What was that stuff called? Well, oh, what was it called? Common Core? Common Core. So it wasn't just California. It was, right, it was a, a number, I a think, number across of states, the right? United yeah. States. But the Common Core is one example of lacking. Well, they want you to think in a specific way, and there's one right answer that takes you 50 million steps to get there. But we don't want creativity. We want, uh, what would that be? When you're just following the assembly line. Just want you to do what you're told. But yeah, so now we have less creative children Less into problem solving, more into following whatever it is that they're told, and that's it. So do you know what Title 42 is? I do not know off the top of my head what Title 42 is. Well, I only know it because I just read it. Okay. Because you were just talking about monies going to other countries for border protection. Okay. A bunch of Democrats in the Senate and the House are calling for Biden to end Title 42 border protections, despite fears of looming migrant surge. So if he ends the Trump-era Title 42 border protection, there is a fear of a large migrant surge in the coming months that threatens to overwhelm, again, authorities at the besieged southern border. Title 42 has been nothing short of disastrous for immigrant families seeking asylum from the horrors in their own countries. It was a Public Health Protection Act in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. So with with that, 
we would say that there's a health crisis, so we would want to know the health of individuals who are coming in or say that because of the health crisis, we're not allowing people to come in. Do you check shot records for kids going to school? Public schools you're supposed to. Yes. So should we not check records, shot records coming up south of the border? So what's interesting is when you lawfully cross the border, if you say somebody, a family member petitioned for you to come over here and, and you're coming to the United States, you actually have to do a health check, which includes making sure that you have all your shots. And they are mandatory unless you have a medical reason why you can't or a, a religious reason why you cannot get a certain what you can have a religious reason you can have a religious reason why you do not get your that would shots. be against the COVID-19 vaccine too yes you can't have a religious reason against that but so people who are lawfully entering the United States on an immigrant visa are supposed to have it if you have a visitor visa we don't look at your you cross the border we don't look and see are you compliant uh, if you are from a visa-free country, we have certain countries that you're just allowed to cross. We don't require it. But if you unlawfully cross the border, and let's just say we're we're going to let you go through the asylum process, or you just cross the border and we don't catch you, we don't look at your shot record. But assuming you got caught, or assuming you presented yourself at the border and say, I, I want to seek asylum, you don't have to get those shots unless and until you're in the lawfully you know, lawful category and you're being given um, permanent resident, it's assuming your asylum gets granted and you're going on to permanent residency. So we do allow people to come into the United States without proof of their vaccines. Wow. Well, there's other healthcare reasons they wanted to stop people and financial reasons they wanted to stop people, but it it just depends on what's going on in that particular time. Right. Well, tuberculosis was making a comeback and a lot of people coming up from south of the border had TB. Yeah, we actually had a case here in Fresno a couple of years back that it turned out that this individual had TB. They crossed the border and they were getting treatment in Fresno because they were super sick. And it ultimately led to the realization that the person who brought this young girl in was not the parent of her claim to be a family member or relative, but it turned out she was being trafficked. And so she was trafficked across the border and being trafficked here in the Central Valley. Um, But what actually helped her to get found and stop the trafficking was because she had TB and went to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. So jumping to the January 6th breach at the Capitol. So two interesting things happened over the last week, which was um, one of the obstruction charges against a Texas defendant at the breach of Capitol. One of the obstruction charges was dismissed because the judge said that he didn't believe that the prosecution had laid out enough evidence to prove that they could be convicted on this charge Um, and that the delay of a couple hours in obstructing Congress from certifying was not sufficient to find this person guilty. So they dismissed that charge, but there's other charges that are still pending for this person. However, we also had the first uh, U.S. Capitol rioter to stand trial, to actually stand trial. We've had people who were convicted, but they were convicted by virtue of pleading guilty. So we had the first Capitol rioter stand trial, and he was convicted on all 
counts that he was facing. And one of those was the obstruction charge that another judge dismissed saying that he didn't think that a couple of hours was sufficient to warrant this obstruction of. So I'm sure his attorneys will appeal. Oh, I'm sure they will too. But apparently this is the one that we had previously talked about where he had the holster. And so they proved the charge that in court that he had a gun on him. They said you see a silver glint in one of the uh, videos. Although the the picture that was going around, it appeared to be an empty holster, but it was, I mean, your angles can change and make right. things look different. Right. Well, same thing with that young kid that defended himself during the riots. He ended up getting poor quality video, and then once the 4K stuff showed up, Oh, it proved the exact opposite yes. of what they were Speaking saying. Speaking of that, they destroyed his weapon today. Oh, well, that's good. Smashed it and broke it. And Sorry that it pieces. happened, but it didn't need to. No, that's that thing's gone. So there was, in San Francisco, speaking of court cases, there was a San Francisco officer who was on trial, and um, it was an assault and battery charge against a person that he was arresting. He actually got four charges against him of assault and battery. And the DA, Chesa Bodin, the district attorney, was going after the San Francisco police officer, Terrence Stengel, and said that, um, you know, he committed unnecessary beating of a black man and he was charged. It turns out that the DA's office was withholding evidence Surprise. So apparently the DA's office was withholding evidence and there was an individual who was working for the DA's office who actually testified that they were told to withhold evidence that would tend to show the officer wasn't guilty. So they were going forward with the case, trying to give specific evidence that only showed guilt. And I guess the judge decided to declare a mistrial on... The fourth count, but three of the counts came back as, as not guilty. And the fourth count, it they were kind of like a hung jury. Okay. Where so some they, said yes, some said right, no. So they'll retry that. Potentially retry that. But they apparently, uh, those accusations of withholding of evidence had been going around for quite some time. I wonder if they ever hold the prosecutors accountable for their misdeeds like that. Yeah, they should because they're not supposed to be above the law. But wouldn't you want to make it easier on yourself as a prosecutor and only have the evidence that looks like you're doing your job? Absolutely. Bummer. Bummer that we're so corrupt like this. Yes. So I'm sure you're familiar with um, news or so-called news organizations making determinations on whether something is uh, true or not, and it's called fact-checking. Yeah, I get fact-checked all the time on Facebook. So one of the the lead fact-checkers, lead stories, did a fact-check of a meme that was going around. Don't know if you heard about this. No. So apparently the meme said, The sanction nobody is talking about. Russian users who attempted to visit Pornhub were quite literally blocked by a message that told them that the content has been stopped along with a Ukrainian flag and a message of Ukrainian support. And another 
like similar type of thing said that Pornhub and a few other places had gone to block Russians from accessing their site. So Lead Stories did a fact check on it, and it turns out that it is not true that Russians can, the claim is that they can still access Pornhub. But I am certain that the person who wrote this article, Miss Sarah Thompson, was only too happy to do this story because they went into detail on how they logged in and used a VPN (laughs) to see if they could log in and other fact checkers were doing the same thing, how they had special access and a VPN and then they had to put in a certain uh, proof of a certain type of account to prove that they were Russian to, to log on. So they fact checked it as not true that Russians can still access Pornhub. But I just thought the level that the reporters went to to access Pornhub for the good of the people. Well, they took one for the team. They did. What's VPN stand for? VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. So I thought over in Russia it was RPN. Russian Private Network? Russian Porn Network. Oh, the Russian Porn Network. I'm sure it is. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.